Well, good morning, New Life Manitou. Okay, so everyone already knows me, but in case you didn't, my name is Dan Glass, and it's on the screen as well. So, uh, could I get you to stand, if you're able, for the scripture reading for the word of the Lord? Today's reading is from Philippians 2, 19 through 30. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you, that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. For everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself, because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him as soon as I see how things go with me, and I am confident in the Lord that I myself will come soon. But I think it is necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. For he longs for all of you and is distressed because you, you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill and almost died, but God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but also on me, to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I am all the more eager to send him, so that when you see him again, you may be glad, and I may have less anxiety. So then, welcome him in the Lord with great joy, and honor people like him, because he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to make up for the help that you yourselves could not give me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord, we pray to you. We ask that we will be firm and steadfast. Like these two men in these examples, Lord, we would be on a long, obedient direction towards you. And Lord, you are that direction we turn our lives to. Lord, we praise you, we worship you, and all God's people said, Amen. You may be seated. This passage of Scripture reminds us that this uh, part, this whole thing, this letter of Philippians is just that. It is a letter. Here, Paul is talking about travel plans. He's talking about someone's medical illness history. He's talking about the correspondence. He's talking about the messengers as well as the message. This reminds us that this is a letter. It shows us the real goings on of Paul writing this letter. It's almost like Maybe you've seen this, uh, someone that is respectable, good at PR, good at uh, being kind and, and, and whatnot, and then they think the camera is off, but it's not, and then they're just jerks. Have you seen this? Like People are like, I thought they were so nice, I thought they were so kind, and now it turns out they're really just jerks. This is not the case with Paul. Here we see, like into this letter, Paul talking about the goings on. It's like as if we're Skyping with uh, someone who we love and respect, and then by some glitch in technology, that they think the call is ended, they've hung up, and yet the camera still stays rolling, and they, you see them interacting for like this glimpse of time, interacting with their family, talking to themselves, walking around, and they're the same person inside and out. We see this here with St. 
Paul writing to the Philippians, talking about, once again, travel plans, correspondences. Some guy was sick, but he's, he's okay now. We get to see into this letter. And this wasn't my first reaction. Last week on Sunday, after church, after lunch, I opened up the Bible at the kitchen table and began reading this passage. And I saw what you see. I see, like, here's somebody talking to some people, like talking about Timothy, Epaphroditus, some travel plans, some logistics. This is housekeeping stuff. And my initial thought, I apologize for saying this, but my initial thought was, maybe we should just skip this passage of Scripture. I know we're talking about the whole book of uh, Philippians, but maybe we should just skip this. And I even had it in my mind, like maybe I'll email Brett and say, hey, Brett, I'm going to skip this passage. Uh, you're speaking down the road, so it's all going to get shifted. And then I thought about poor Brett. I thought, he does, he's already been preparing. He's part-time with our congregation. He's, he's not full-time. The, the hours we have with him are lean and mean. He is faithful. And I thought, okay, I'm going to suck it up. I'm going to preach on this. Monday morning, I get up early. I usually get up early and I prayed over this passage and I asked the Lord, Lord, would you give me some? This seems like it's just Paul talking about travel plans, Epaphroditus, Timothy. It seems like it's just like for that time. And, and Lord, what would you say to the church? Lord, use me, your servant. Lord, may my mouth, may my words, may my heart be wholly pleasing to you as I prepare for this sermon. And something really cool happened this week. I usually don't write my sermons this way. Usually I outline them, kind of just begin to fill them in and, and it, it becomes a sermon. This week it was like an explosion of all these ideas. I have probably two and a half worths of sermon stuff for this sermon. So today we'll go until like you know three or four in the afternoon, no problem. <laughs> Just kidding. It's, it's, what happened this week, though, is I got so many ideas. I had to, like, cut and snip and trim and then cut some more. And that's usually not how I prepare. But this week, just so many ideas, so many good things out of this passage that seems to us as just a logistical, housekeeping kind of passage. Hold on. Brace yourself. I think this, the Lord has something to say to us this morning from this passage. These two men, Timothy and Epaphroditus, end up being case studies for us for faithfulness. So this sermon has three points. Count them out. One, two, and three. The first point is kind of an overview of, of an encouragement to be full of integrity, faithfulness, and reliability. The second point will be a talk about Timothy, and the third point will be a talk about Epaphroditus. So first point is this, be examples, this is point number one of three, be examples of integrity, faithfulness, and reliability. Be examples. This is what Timothy is, Paul is, Epaphroditus, these are examples to us of what integrity, faithfulness, and reliability for the kingdom of God look like. And these three words, integrity, faithfulness, reliability, these are not words that our culture, like outside of the church, uh, the, 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 the just what we value, these aren't usually the highest valued things. I think our culture values these five things, and then I will give you a quiz. But don't worry, I myself would fail this quiz. My point will be that you will fail this quiz as well. But my, the five things that I think our society um, values are riches, uh, some sort of like uh, athleticism, power, being famous, and being beautiful. And yet, out of these five things, here comes the quiz, I'm going to ask you who in our society represents uh, uh, these five things. So in the category of riches, there's uh, a lot of really rich people out there. Uh, can you name the 10 most rich people in the world? I doubt it. Maybe, maybe you could get one. Can anybody get two or three? 
Three would be still failing. Even four, that's failing. And yet we value, don't we all? Like, doesn't our culture say the most valuable thing is wealth and riches? And yet, maybe we could just name a couple. We value, number two, can, can, can you name, uh, we, we value athleticism. Can anybody in here name the last five years' worths of Heisman Trophy winners? Some of you don't even know what a Heisman Trophy is, right? It's the college award given out one, once a year to the NCAA, all the college players for uh, uh, football ability, diligence, and hard work. Can anybody name any of them? Hold your hand a big fat zero if you're like, I have no idea. I couldn't name any of the five last five years. Yeah, me too. Like, I have no idea. I have to look that up. And yet, as a culture, we value, don't? I mean, how many people will watch football today and athleticism? Like, oh, these are, these are the, the top people of these. These people represent, you know, hard work and diligence and, and athleticism, but we really don't know who they are at the top. Here's the other one. Let's see. Uh, riches, athleticism, power. Think about every year uh, a Nobel Peace Prizes are given. These people represent uh, people that bring nations together. They represent political power. They res- represent people bringing peace with the power, the influence they have. Can anybody name all five of the last five years winners of Nobel Peace Prizes? Hold up a big fat zero. If you're like, I couldn't name any. Of course not. Like, I, I, I couldn't name, I, I say of course not because I, I just don't know who these people are. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that they're at the top of their field. I'm glad they use their power for peace. But I don't know who these people are. What about in the, in the area of fame? We value fame. And we, there's actors and actresses. I thought that's probably the most famous people we know. Who are the last five years winners of the Academy Awards? Maybe you can name a few. There's both actors and actresses, so there's 10 total. How many of you could be like, I don't know for sure. I would, zero. I could name zero Academy Award winner. A couple. It's like, who are these people? I don't know. But they're at the top of their field. They're the most famous people in the world. But one last category. In the category of beauty and uh, talent, there's uh, this pageant, the Miss America pageant. Uh, every year, someone is picked as like the most beautiful, most fairest in all the land, Miss America. And yet, out of the last five years, could anybody name all five? I don't know. Hold up a big zero. If you're like, I couldn't name any of the Miss America winners. And yet, these people, like they represent what we idealistically value as with all of these things. My point here is this. My point here is this, that instead of being awesome, maybe we should strive to be faithful. Because I bet you'll pass, every one of you in here will pass this test. So I have three more questions for you. And given, I gave you, some of you aren't quick like me on your feet, uh, but if given a couple minutes, I'm sure you could name five teachers that helped you along the way, right? You could easily name five of teachers. Given a, if I gave you a couple minutes, you would write down, oh, my kindergarten teacher, my, my high school English teacher for me, my high school science teacher. These were very important people along the way. What if I said, can you name five friends that you trust and are full of integrity, faithfulness, and reliability? I'm sure, given a couple minutes, you could name, like, oh, I, I really trust, I really love these people. Could you name five mentors in your life? That along the way, maybe when you were younger, maybe now, you could say, I, I have a mentor in my life that's, that's I'm, and maybe you wouldn't even call it a mentor, mentee relationship, but you would say, this person has helped me along the way. You could name, right? Every one of us could. My point here is this, instead of being awesome, as the, as the culture puts it, I think we should be more influenced to be faithful. Instead of Facebook friends, we should be faithful friends. Can I get an Amen. amen. 
Amen. Instead of in ourselves, instead of looking for Facebook friends, we should be faithful friends instead of our own selves. Like instead, we shouldn't be these Facebook friends to people and always just uh, you know an inch deep in our relationships. We should strive to be faithful friends. To recap, we need more examples like like Timothy. We'll look at Epaphroditus. These are people of integrity, faithfulness, and reliability. So let's jump in. Boop. Into point number two, which is a talk about Timothy. And Timothy is this. He is proven to show genuine concern. This is what Paul says about him. If you would turn to Philippians chapter 2, looking at verse 19. Let's read this little paragraph. It's just a snippet about Timothy, but it says so much. Paul says, I hope in the Lord which is, we'll just pause there and say he's going to hope that he's able to send Timothy. It's just a way of talking that Paul doesn't know for sure what's going to happen, but he hopes in the Lord and he is confident in his hope that the Lord will provide. But he hopes in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you that I also uh, may be cheered when I receive news about you. I'm assuming that he would send Timothy to the church in Philippi and then Timothy would come back and deliver news about how the Philippians are doing. Verse 20 says this. Imagine someone saying this about you in a good way. I have no one else like him. Wow. Like imagine Paul. Imagine anyone saying that about you. I have no one else like him who shows, who will show genuine concern for your welfare. And then he says this. This is everybody. For everyone looks out for their own interest, not those of Jesus Christ. That's just the sad reality of the world we li- live in, even amongst the church. Like we, we're concerned with ourselves. Lord, have mercy on us. And we are very often not concerned about Jesus' way. But here's Timothy, an example that we could shine through and be like Timothy, who is like Christ and, and have genuine concern for other people's welfare. Verse 22 says this, but you know that Timothy has proven himself because as a son with his father, he's talking about this relationship that Timothy and Paul have. It's like as if a son and a father. He has served with me in the work of the gospel and I hope therefore to send him as soon as I see how things are going to go with me. So we're not sure exactly. We do know Paul's in prison. I guess something had to be worked out. Maybe a trial, maybe his time in prison would end or something like that. And he's hoping that he will send Timothy soon. And verse 24 says that I am confident in the Lord that I myself will come soon. So he's, he's, he's carrying out this thing saying, I hope to send Timothy. I hope myself to come soon. But, but here's something about Timothy. We know that he was one of the early converts in Paul's missionary journeys. Paul sets out. He goes to Derby. That's a city in, in uh, what is today, Turkey. He meets Timothy. Timothy gives his life to the Lord. We find out that Timothy uh, has a pagan father who, who maybe ends up dying or is not around very much. It's his mother Eunice and his grandmother Lois who were very uh, wonderful Jewish people in their faith. They become believers. And it's his whole family that is encouraging Timothy to then go on Paul's second missionary journey. So Timothy goes around with Paul for his second missionary journey. Imagine that, getting to travel around with this evangelist Paul back in those days. And then not only traveling with Paul, Paul has, uh, he just knows how reliable Timothy is, and he sends Timothy out to several different places. One, uh, Athens to Thessalonica, Ephesus to Corinth, Ephesus to Macedonia, and then one more here, like he hopes to send Uh, Timothy from wherever Paul is, whether it's Rome or Ephesus, hundreds of miles away to the city of Philippi. Paul has the utmost respect 
for Timothy. And Timothy ends up writing, co-writing, we should say, other letters with Paul. For instance, this letter. He, at the very beginning, it says, Paul and Timothy, uh, write this letter. And here Paul is. It's usually just the I language of Paul that he's writing. But Timothy's right there along with Paul writing this letter. And it says that Paul says, I have no one like him. The King James Version says, I have no one like-minded as he is. Very interesting, don't you think? The Greek here is to be equal-souled with someone. C.S. Lewis puts it this way. He says that true friends don't just stare at each other, but face the same direction. And Paul talks about Timothy as a son co-laboring with this mission effort to present the gospel all over the known world. Paul is Timothy's mentor. He is like a father to Timothy. And if I could, just some of you really enjoy the practical applications of a sermon. And, and this would be that point here in this sermon. A practical takeaway here is about the relationship between a mentor and a mentee. Someone who is encouraging someone who is either younger in the faith or younger in age. And this relationship can be beautiful. This is the relationship that Paul and Timothy have, and it seems to be mutually encouraging to each other. And if I could encourage you, the practical thing that I would say this morning is this week, consider, are you mentoring someone and are you being mentored by someone? Maybe you don't have um, that relationship spelled out. I think a lot of people have people in their lives that they wouldn't say, oh, he's my mentor, but you would have someone who, who does that with you in your life, asks you questions. So if you don't have anyone that you would say, oh, I'm mentoring this person, then I would encourage you. I would say, take someone out to coffee, to lunch, and ask them some questions. I guarantee that 99.99% people do not have someone in their life older than, than them, either in the faith or in age, asking them questions that they wish they had been asked at, at their age when you were younger. Ask them questions like, how, how are you doing with your relationships? How are you doing with um, uh, your faith? How are you doing with Bible reading? How are you doing with the things that you know you shouldn't be doing? These are questions that mentors ask mentees. And if you think about this, you say, oh, maybe I have some people that look up to me. Um, if, you, if you would say, you know what, I, um, I, I don't have anyone in my life that I am uh, looking up to. Well, then take someone out to coffee, take someone out to lunch, and ask them questions. And I would encourage you not to use the M word. Don't say, will you mentor me? Because that scares people off. If someone came to me and said, hey, can you mentor me? I've had, I've had people do that to me. And, and I, my initial thought is usually, well, I can't mentor you. I have my own things going on. I have no business <laughs> mentoring anyone. But if you just say, hey, can I ask you some questions? That is what a mentor relationship looks like. Let me wrap up this uh, short talk about Timothy here um, and talk about the genuine concern that Timothy just uh, portrays to these people in Philippi. Um, It says that he has genuine concern, sincerity. You know when someone is not being genuine with you. Someone just wants to sell you something. Someone is just making a name for themselves and using you along the way. But here, Timothy shows genuine concern for a whole nother church, this church in Philippi. I think about the church here, this congregation, and how 
um, throughout the years. We, I mean, we weren't even a church. We weren't even an idea uh, several years ago, and here we are as a church. I think about the concern that I see amongst each other, and I see people, like when, when someone doesn't show up on a Sunday for several Sundays, uh, people in, end up calling those people. Hey, how, how are you? How have you been? And, and people have gotten to expect, like, if I'm not around for a week, someone's going to call me and ask me how I'm doing. Like, it's not common for, for us to reach out to each other and show concern. I know that when, when things are going on, our church, to, to compliment you guys, like, there's meals. Like, people bring meals. People visit each other. People call each other. There is a genuine concern that is here that I think Timothy shows us as a further example. So let's leave Timothy now and talk about a guy named Epaphroditus. And my point here is this. Point number three is Epaphroditus is a fellow soldier, brother, messenger. Let's listen to what Paul says about him. Paul says this. I think it necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my co-worker, uh, a fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. For he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill and almost died. We don't know what that illness was, but he was close to death. But God had mercy on him, not only him only, but also on me to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. If Epaphroditus was to pass, he would be, Paul would be beside himself with grief. Verse 28 says, therefore I am all the more eager to send him so that when you see him again, you may be glad and I may have less anxiety. Verse 29, so then welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honor people like him. That's the point I will conclude with at the, at the end of this sermon, to honor people like Epaphroditus, because he almost died for the work of Christ. He has risked his life to make up for the help you yourself could not give me. So Epaphroditus is his name. Do you want to say that word? Epaphroditus? It's kind of a hard word. It sounds like a, some sort of illness, Epaphroditus, <laughs> doesn't it? Like arthritis? No, Epaphroditus. Would you say diverticulitis? No. Epaphroditus, bronchitis? No, ain't nobody got time for that. Epaphroditus is his name. And some of you knowing a little bit of Greek mythology, do you recognize Aphrodite in his name? His name literally means in the Greek, beloved by Aphrodite. And Aphrodite was this Greek goddess, and people in the ancient world would worship her. And it's very, this, this will get PG-13 for the next two seconds, just a quick second. But to worship Aphrodite, there was temple prostitutes, temple priests, temple priestess that would combine this worship of Aphrodite with some sort of fulfillment of sexual acts. And talk about like a very dark world at that time. And so for whatever reason, um, Epaphroditus' parents named him after this Greek god beloved by Aphrodite. And that's his background. We don't know hardly anything about this man, Epaphroditus, other than his name. And that he probably came from a pagan background uh, of Aphrodite this very dark worship of this goddess, and yet he gives his life to Christ and becomes a faithful, reliable, full of integrity person to fulfill the gospel and the good news, and Paul commends him. So like I said, we don't know anything about him outside of this passage, and there's one sentence in Philippians 4 that just says it recognizes him as the one who has brought the letter from Philippi to Paul, as well as like some sort of care package for Paul, like these gifts that Paul 
Paul needed while he was in jail. And then Paul says, I'm going to send back to you Epaphroditus with this letter. So we wouldn't have the letter of Philippians that ends up being uh, the word of God. It ends up being a book of the Bible if it were not for this very faithful steward, Epaphroditus, who ends up just not doing a glamour job, but just delivering a message. I mean, there was no planes back then, no cars, no Ubers. He's probably walking hundreds of miles, camping along the way, carrying stuff, carrying the gifts back and forth uh, for Paul and this letter to get to one place to another. A very faithful person is Epaphroditus. Here's what I want to say about him. His, um, it says that he was sick. And almost died, and then the Lord healed him. What a great testimony that is. And there's testimonies like that in here. I think about just last week, we prayed for someone. I see the person in here. And throughout the week, they were wondering if they had cancer. And we heard back a very good report that they do not have cancer. Praise the Lord. And so things like this, like they encourage us in the faith. Epaphroditus almost died. The Lord healed him. Praise be to the Lord for this testimony of healing. Epaphroditus is, is but a messenger. You know what that Greek word is? The Greek word is apostolos. And his, surely he's not, uh, Epaphroditus isn't one of the 12 apostles, but he ends up being in this category of being a messenger, someone who delivers the message of good news because he's literally taking the letter from Paul to the Philippian church. Paul refers to him as a brother, co-worker, soldier, a messenger. Think about the, these words. Think about the word soldier. A lot of people sometimes say that they're, you know, in, in the spiritual world, they say, oh, I'm not a soldier. I don't, I don't think about the devil. I don't think about the evil things going on. Well, maybe we should. Like, there is a battle. There is uh, something to be said about being a soldier, fighting the good fight in the spiritual realm. And the last point I want to get to for Epaphroditus is Paul says, when, you, when he gets back to you, so Paul sends him back. So that it seems as though from these short sentences we have about Epaphroditus that he's somewhat homesick, like he really wants to be back in Philippi. So I'm going to send him with you, uh, send him uh, and this letter back to the church of Philippi. When you see him, honor him. Honor men like this. And I think about the, the honor that that we, I was just thinking about this congregation and all the service people do, the, 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 the non-spotlight things. Like right now, there's kids in the elementary school room. There's a teacher. There's teachers downstairs. Here's servants of the, let's honor people like this. In the back, you could look at them, the, our tech team. It's literally, there's not the spotlight back there, but these are people who serve. I think about Tony coming early and setting up. I think about uh, the Martinez's wherever they are. They, they, they trimmed the, all the tree branches this week so that the paths would be cleared back there. And it's just people, let's honor people who specifically take the roles of the, those that are not in the spotlight in order to serve the reliable people, the faithful people, the people that are full of integrity like Timothy and Epaphroditus. If you would, would you stand with me? We're going to take communion as we usually do. Brett's going to lead us to the table. The band could come up. Um, but I think about the communion of saints. I think about um, 
this letter being written to a community. And here we get a glimpse, a window into a Timothy and Epaphroditus and these, these messengers who are literally taking the message uh, of this letter back and forth. And I think about like our community, the community of New Life Manitou. I'm so proud of you guys. I'm so proud of what the Lord has done and just uh, faithful to see what the Lord has done, his faithfulness amongst us. And I think about communion. Sometimes I know I'm just laser focused on me and the Lord, me and the Lord when I'm taking communion, when I'm praying. But we always do communion in a community. This is the Lord's table. We always get up from our seats. We make our way to the front. There's a table. There's a, there's a community of people. It's, it's, it's not a meal, but it is a tiny piece of bread. It is the cup that we share together in community. And I want us this morning to think about that as we come forward. I want us to think about the community and how we can be faithful witnesses, people full of integrity, people full of of thanksgiving to the Lord. So would you pray with me this morning? Lord, as a community of, of God, as we prepare our hearts for the table, as we prepare our hearts for your table, Lord, we welcome you here. You are the center of our community. And Lord, would you increase the faith that is amongst us? Would you increase examples of faithfulness, of giving? Would you increase amongst us uh, integrity and your vision inside of us for the community that is yours? Lord, we are your church. We are your people. We are the flock, Lord, that you shepherd. And we praise your holy name.